Well, welcome to this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. I'm Byron Tyler. Always a pleasure to get together, and I'm really excited about introducing my guest today, Donna Gaines. Donna is the wife of Pastor Steve Gaines at Bellevue Baptist Church in Memphis, Tennessee, and also the current president of the Southern Baptist Convention. Now, Donna has been on our Mid-South Viewpoint program before. We've talked about an incredible program called Arise to Read that is doing amazing work in the school system, the public school system in our city. And I'm sure we'll talk about that. But first, Donna, welcome to the program. Thank you, Byron. Delighted to be here. Hey, I think it's probably fitting that we start off by getting a head count of all those grandbabies <laughs> and how many do we have now well we have four grown children and 11 grandchildren nine and under do you know all their names <laughs> absolutely pray for them every day <laughs> oh i should ask the grandma that and birth dates Birthdays if you'd too. like them i can <laughs> well you know what? You we, we've well. got some time well we have a brand new granddaughter who was born oh. on new year's eve and she's four months old aurora Wonderful. is her name oh. she's beautiful like my five-year-old of her course. sister who's Layton, and yes. so i got to hang out with them last night they were visiting their other grandparents for about we a week did as well did you yes we have a six-month-old granddaughter that's in memphis and so steve and i dropped in on them last night oh. and mom and dad got to go out for dessert while we stayed with the baby. That is so fun. <laughs> yes, you know? it is. You know, we have all kinds of adventures when we do those things. And is there a time when all of the grandkids are at your home, and but the parents are gone? It's just you and Steve with all the grandkids? We do that sometimes, especially the week after Christmas is typically when all of our children come into town. We have only one local, three that are uh, living other places. So when everybody's there and all the kids are under the roof, as you can imagine, the noise level goes way up. <laughs> and mom and dad just kind of come in and go, here, grandma and grandpa. Yeah. <laughs> They're yours, and we we love to babysit, let them go out and have some time alone as a couple because that's so important. Oh, it is so important to give them that time alone, but then again, that you can build that relationship. Right. I mean, the grandparents' role, you know, in our grandkids is so priceless. Yes, it is. You know, and more grandparents, because of society and things Mm -hmm. that are happening in families, are stepping up to the plate for that. You're exactly right. You know, there's nobody that can love and adore you like a grandparent because they can lavish that love upon you, but they don't have the responsibility for the discipline or for raising you, which is really awesome. It's a great place to be. I'm loving it. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. We can talk about our grandkids all day. Absolutely. Okay. Of your four kids, were all the births healthy without any complications? They were. We were very blessed, all four of our children. Yeah. That's a blessing. Yes, it it is. You know, again, some people don't experience that. Do you recall the first time you saw Steve Gaines in a football uniform? (laughs) Well, you know, I did not know him when he was playing football. Oh, you didn't? Steve transferred to Union from UT Martin after God called him into the ministry. So I've only seen pictures of him in a football uniform. But Dr. Bob Agee, who had been my pastor here in Memphis, went to Union as a vice president. He's the reason I actually even visited Union, because he called and invited me to come up. By this time I spent the day there, I knew that's where the Lord wanted me to be. I felt called into ministry, and so I signed the dotted line, and I was headed to Union. Well, about a year later, Doc met Steve after he felt called into ministry and said, you need to transfer to Union so you can have some Bible classes. He came back to Union. I was actually recruiting for the school that summer, and he said, Donna, I've met your husband. So, yes, a matchmaking going <laughs> yes, on. Yes, he did. He performed our wedding, did Steve's licensing, ordination, has been a very vital part of our lives. What a great, great story and memory, too. Okay, where were you when Steve proposed, and were you surprised? Byron, funny that you should ask. We just celebrated last night the 39th anniversary of our engagement. 39. We went out to dinner last night, which is why we were out, and then dropped in on our daughter and, and her husband. 
Steve had the ring and it was burning a hole in his pocket. And we had been to dinner that night with Dr. Bob and some people from Union. And then I had an intramural basketball game to play. So he went and sat through that basketball game. And by the time we left, he wanted to give me the ring and asked me to marry him at Muse Park, which is where we had our first kiss. But we were too late. The park had already closed. So he got on the interstate and we drove down and he saw the rest area at exit 76. And he pulled off and we were sitting on a picnic table at the rest area when he asked me to marry him. Exit 76. Exactly. Oh, get down on a knee? He didn't. I was sitting yeah. on the table. He was sitting on the on the bench. Yeah. And he said, Donna, will you marry me? And we'd been talking about yeah. marriage. So I said, sure. And then he pulled the ring out and said, will you wear my ring? Oh, what a... And of course, I squealed. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. That's so special. What was one of the biggest adjustments that you and Steve had to make the first year of your marriage? We moved away. Steve went to seminary right after I graduated. We moved to Fort Worth for him to go to Southwestern Seminary. So I think that was the the biggest adjustment for us was being away from family and friends and everyone we knew. But at the same time, it was the best thing for us because we just had each other to lean on. You know, you kind of move out of the comfort zone of what you're used to in each other's family lives and you get away from your parents and you Mm -hmm. kind of build your own thing, don't you? you? Yeah. Mm -hmm. After we've been married for a few years, we served as missionaries overseas. Mm -hmm. So you need that. Establish your own home. Have you ever second guessed, what am I doing married to a preacher? (laughs) Fortunately, no. Um, I was saved at nine. I had the incredible privilege of being raised in a Christian home. My parents are both still living, very active servants in the church and in the community and have been incredible examples for me. And at the age of 12, I felt called into full-time ministry. And being Southern Baptist and female, I kind of assumed my only option was missions. But I also have an aunt and uncle who were career missionaries in Taiwan. So hearing from them when they came home on furlough, praying for them fervently, I just had such a heart for missions and assumed that's where I was going. Well, when Steve and I started dating and knew God had brought us together was the first time I'd ever considered the possibility of being a pastor's wife. Now, were you on an education track when you were in Union? Yes. And then when you went to Texas Women's University, Mm -hmm. you were continuing that? Yes, I did a master's in special education. I know that you're a devout student of God's Word. You do a lot of Bible studies. You've written four books, maybe more. That's the last count I've had is <laughs> four <correct>. books. <laughs> but what's been your greatest challenge to becoming a student of God's Word? You know, I'm, I know you're married to a pastor, but just you personally. You know, I think when Steve and I were dating and considering marriage, one of the things he asked me was what I wanted out of life. And my immediate response was more than the status quo. I had begun to really read the New Testament diligently for myself and was beginning to really own my faith. It wasn't just my parents' faith, my aunt and uncle's faith. It was my faith. And I recognized a discrepancy between what I was reading, what I was experiencing. And I wanted everything God had for me. That's where I think it really happens, you know, Donna, when you you invest and you really seriously engage the word. I have recently been just reading over and over the book of Galatians. I mean, Mm. right now I'm not taking notes. I'm just reading it. I'm just trying to soak it in. Challenge spiritually, isn't it? Oh, my goodness. Spirit-filled, spirit-led. It it is. (laughs) But that's where I I need so much. And looking at the promise that God gave to Abraham and how Mm -hmm. it impacts us today, you know, through that precious child, the gift of Jesus, that promise given over 400 years before the law was given, but seeing that whole process, and all of a sudden like a light switch turned on, I said, God, I'm part of this. I'm part of this. When Abraham was standing there, here I am today. Grafted into the very lineage of Abraham. Oh, my goodness. You know, the privilege we have. Absolutely. And I tell our women that I teach in Bible study, Bible literacy 
is the greatest apologetic. Yes. Because once you get into the word of God, you know, without a shadow of a doubt, that there is a God behind every word that has been written, that it truly is living and active. And when you see his hand in history and how he is fulfilling his purposes, then you can rest assured on all those promises that what is yet to be fulfilled absolutely will be. Oh, that's so good. Well, my wife and I are soon to celebrate 34 years of marriage coming up on that on May 5th. So I know that when you're married, especially a long time, you go through different challenges. What's been one of the deepest valleys that you and Steve have had to go through so far in your lives? And how did you find God to be faithful and carry you through that time? You know, the first one that comes to mind, probably Byron, is in the year 2000 when Steve was diagnosed with myasthenia gravis. At the same time, they found out he had a tumor on his thymus, which is just below your sternum, and would have to go through a thymectomy which is very similar to open heart surgery as far as the procedure itself. Mm-hmm. And the evening before, not knowing if the tumor was benign or malignant or what was going to happen in surgery the next day, I had gone back into a little corner of our bedroom where I have my chair where I met with the Lord and got down on my knees and was just crying out to God and really pleading with him to not only spare Steve's life, but mm-hmm. I was letting him know I need my husband. We have four children ranging in age from 17 to 7, and they need their father. And I was, I was crying and All of a sudden, it was one of those moments where you just feel enveloped by the presence of God. And the two words he impressed upon my heart were, I am. I am your husband. I am their father. I am all you need. And at that moment, I was able to release Steve and trust that whatever the outcome, Jesus Christ is all I need. Many folks listening right now get news of some kind of health issue. Recently, I had a doctor tell me about something that was of concern for me. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know, God. That body part belongs to you. That's right. It's yours. You're going to carry me through that. And then when Mm -hmm. I got the final results, everything was fine. Mm -hmm. And it didn't have to be. I mean, it could have gone the other way, you know. But it's in those times that if we're having that relationship that's ongoing, which is so important, Mm -hmm. daily waking up and good morning, God, I'm here for you, you know, it makes those times a little bit easier. Absolutely does. I mean, we're still human. Sure. And we go to the Lord and we pour out our heart, just like I was. I was crying out to God. I felt like somewhat like David in the Psalms. He was crying out to the Lord. And in fact, the Psalms are incredible scriptures to pray back to the Lord when you're struggling. You can find your emotional needs expressed so often in the Psalms. But I found that clinging to him and communing with him is what brings peace in the midst of the storm. He's still able to say, peace be still to the storms in our life. Oh, I'm so glad. Uh, Talk about the connection between education and underprivileged children. Can you recall that particular moment when these two collided in your heart? Absolutely. You know, it's very interesting how God prepares us for things being, as I shared with you, feeling called into missions as a child and then being an education major in my undergrad and graduate school, I have a passion for education, for literacy, but also have a passion for missions. And it was after we moved to Memphis, my hometown, that I began to experience as I studied the demographics, what I call the explosion of poverty in my city, because even though I have parents here and had come back to visit Memphis. Um, you go straight to your parents' home. You're you know there for a brief time. You leave. You don't really see what's happening in the city. Right. It wasn't until we moved back in 05 and I began to study the demographics that I was appalled at the poverty in a city that has so much. Mm. And so Bellevue Loves Memphis was birthed out of Jeremiah 29.7 that we're to pray for the welfare of the city where God has sent us. And we knew God had sent us not just to Bellevue, but also to Memphis. And we began to pray, Lord, how can we meet the needs in our city and take the gospel to the people? 
people of our city. And out of that, Bellevue Les Memphis was birthed. So I started going into the city on these quarterly mission trips, as you'd call them. And one of them, I went into Binghampton and we did a service project at what is now Binghampton Christian Academy. And I fell in love with the school, started tutoring there on Tuesday afternoons in the girls' dorm, did it for about four years, taking some senior high students with me every Tuesday afternoon. Just loved it, but realized we're just scratching the surface. There's so much more need here. And so in 2012, when I was praying over the city during the midst of the merger of the Memphis City Schools and Shelby County Schools, as I was praying that day was one of those moments where the Lord just impressed very strongly words upon my heart and mind. And they were these. This is your city. These are your children. Yes. What are you doing about it? And I said, Lord, I don't know. It feels really overwhelming. I don't even know where to begin. And I knew God was telling me, motivate and recruit the church my body, to take responsibility for the children of this city. And Byron, it was in that that God has wed my two passions, missions and education. Wow. It's like that Isaiah moment. Here am I, send me. Yes. And I was just thinking, I don't know if you know Dr. Carolyn Bibbs or not, of Creative Life Incorporated. She is one of the best kept secrets in Mm. our city. Creative Life Incorporated is a preparatory school in downtown Memphis. Uh She came here about 30 years ago to take care of her ailing grandmother. Hmm. And in the process, she started seeing young teenage girls pregnant and young yes. boys in gangs and right. doing drugs. And she said, God, you need to do something about this. Mm-hmm. God, you need to do something about this in her prayers. And then she started hearing God tell her, Carolyn, why That's don't you right. do something? You are my hands and feet. And that was the birth yeah. of the school. I've got to take you down there. I You've would got love to, to go. see this. Absolutely. It's an amazing. It's one of the best That's kept secrets great. in our city. But there are these God explosions. And, but, it, you know, he is calling us to be that vessel, you know, yeah, where it's always we go to our churches and say, well, the, the pastor's responsibility or, you know, the church staff. Mm-hmm. But God's calling us. We come into Christ. He's calling us to the right. battlefield. We are all called to go and make disciples. Yes. Everybody. We're yes. all ministers of his grace, regardless of our vocation. So it's been about six years since Arise to Read was launched. And in that time, you have mobilized over 800 volunteers. Mm-hmm. Over a thousand now. Over a thousand now. <laughs> hey, well, these web, the web information I have is incorrect. We're, we're, we're moving and growing so rapidly, Byron. We yeah. honestly have a hard time keeping up with it. We're in wow. 28 schools this year in Shelby County, and we have over 30 churches partnering with us, five businesses, three nonprofits. We are continuing to expand aggressively because as you get involved with these children and focus on literacy with second graders, we recognize for every class of second graders we miss or that don't have an adopter, we've missed an entire class of children. And if children in poverty are reading proficiently by the end of third grade, they have an 89% graduation rate. And that's what we're working toward. That's incredible. And you've already seen incredible success at Treadwell. We have. Treadwell is our pilot school. That first year, we really just networked and cast the vision and began meeting with churches and with our our, our schools. And um, the next year, we began in Treadwell. So this is our fifth year to be in Treadwell Elementary. The priority list in the state of Tennessee is the list of the lowest 5% of schools in the state. And Treadwell was on that list. And they were one of the lowest of the low, which is an I-zone school. Last year, Treadwell was taken off the priority list because of their advancement and their achievement test. And they also went from a level two school to a level five school based on the second graders' achievement test scores. Do you remember the fiasco with 10 ready and the system crashed and all that? Well, the second graders were still taking the old achievement test. So the entire state, their report card was based on second graders' achievement. And because of the presence of Arise to Read and faithful teachers at Treadwell Elementary, they went from a level two to a level five 
What are the state educators saying about that? Making shockwaves around the state? It is. We've met with the governor, with Chrissy Haslam. We've met with Commissioner McQueen. It is spread across all of West Tennessee. In fact, Jackson-Madison County started the second year, the very second year. They heard about what we were doing, came down, visited, got trained, and they are in all of their elementary schools. They are just knocking it out. I usually go up every year in in spring for their volunteer appreciation time, and I'm just amazed at what a great job they're doing. That's so exciting. Okay, you've written four books, as we've mentioned. What's your process for writing to public? Publishers typically come to you and have a particular subject, or is it mostly just a overflow of the years of ministry that's on your heart? It's usually an overflow, but it's very interesting. I never intended to be a writer. I am an avid reader and love to study the Word, love to teach the Word. But for me to sit down and put it word for word because I teach from an outline, I don't do a manuscript, was just tedious. My husband says I try too hard to write with my head and not just my heart. He said, you've got to get it right with the heart first and then go back and correct with the head. But I just, I struggle over word usage and all those kinds of things. So I'd really never anticipated writing. I was approached by Lifeway, our arm of the Southern Baptist Convention, publishing arm, Broadman Holman, and asked to write a book on the spirit-filled life. Actually, right after we moved to Memphis and I had taught a series called There's Gotta Be More, recognizing that so many Christians, Byron, feel like the Christianity works for everybody but them. Yes. The problem is they've never tapped into death to the flesh that leads to the resurrection life of the spirit. And that's why many of us long for more, knowing there has to be more than we're experiencing. And it is. It's the spirit-filled life. And that's what Paul talks about in Galatians. Absolutely. Wow. Is there a book that you hope to write, but you haven't started yet? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, you know, the last one that just came out this past fall, uh, Choose Wisely, Live Fully, is based on the two women of Proverbs, Proverbs 1 through 9. And it's a study I did when my oldest daughter was entering high school, and the Lord just arrested my attention listening to a message by a pastor who, in passing, mentioned the two women of Proverbs. And, of course, immediately I'm thinking, now, wait a minute. When you think of Proverbs, you think of the Proverbs 31 woman. Who's yeah. the second woman in Proverbs? <laughs> and as I studied 1 through 9, I realized the Lord has personified wisdom and folly. And I just went through and started underlining and highlighting every blessing associated with wisdom and every curse associated with folly and realize these are the two paths that Jesus talked about. The broad path that leads to destruction and the narrow path that leads to life. And these two women are calling you down those paths. And we get to choose the path upon which we travel. And one of them ends with life, a garland of grace and a crown of beauty. The other one ends in destruction and death. And as you step back and look at it, you think, who in their right mind chooses the path of curse? We all do. Every time we choose to rebel against God's word or elevate our reasoning above what God's word said, we're headed down that path. Those choices are made moment by moment. And every choice has a ripple effect because none of them affect just us. They impact our descendants. You know, when Moses was giving kind of rehearsing the commands that God had given to the Israelites before they were entering the promised land at the end of Deuteronomy. He said to them, I'm calling heaven and earth to witness against you today. I have set before you life and death, blessing and a curse Choose life that you may live, you and your descendants. Wow, that's powerful. Yes, it is. But it's revolutionary. It can change your life. And, and, and the trajectory yes. of your legacy. Oh All of us should desire yes. to leave a legacy of blessing. Okay, recently you were presented with the idea to have your own radio show here on this station. What was your initial reaction to that? You know, Byron, we actually considered it a couple of years ago, and at the time, it just didn't feel right. And when this opened up, I felt like the time was right. Part of it has to do with what's going on in the city and how we are working together across denominations and races. And I am really seeing the body of Christ come together. So I'm excited about hosting Memphis Women 
through Bot Radio because I believe we can, as women, encourage each other, but also let women know of areas and places they can volunteer in the city to make a difference. Jesus told us that we are to be salt and light. You cannot be salt and light if you're not penetrating the culture and the society. People want to get involved. Memphis is the third most giving city in the United States. People want to give money. They want to give their time, but they need a way to do it. So when we lay it out for them or share with them ministries and opportunities to serve, they're more than willing to get involved. And I want to welcome you to our new lineup here. I have been hosting the Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday show for a period of time. I'm actually looking forward to having you take some of the load, you know? (laughs) Thank you. We're excited. I mean, trying to get, I produce four shows a week. It's going to be a great addition to our lineup on Tuesday. Mid-South Viewpoint will be heard on Wednesday and Thursday. I'll continue that at three o'clock. And then Miss Donna Gaines will have the show on Tuesday, Memphis Women. What are some of your hopes and dreams that the show could possibly make a difference? I mean, you've shared some of these, but specific ways in the lives of women, their mm-hmm. struggles here in Memphis that you see? Absolutely. We have a whole list of issues that women face and deal with that we want to be discussing. We'll bring special guests in uh, to interview as well that women will be interested in and encouraged by. And really our purpose, as I was thinking about the other day, Byron, is that women who are united in Christ to make much of him and serve our city to honor, exalt, and exalt the name of Jesus Christ. He is the only one who can break down the walls that separate and bring hope and a future to us all. And that's our desire, is to show that in Jesus Christ, not only do we have hope for today, but we have a bright future as we follow him down that path, as we choose to follow him down that path that leads to life and blessing. And it's as you said, all of us face storms in this life. All of us face uncertainties. But when our life is built upon the firm foundation of the rock of Jesus Christ and of his word, those storms will not take us down. And that's when other people should be drawn to us. I've recently been reading a book um, by John Ortberg, and it's called Soul Keeping. And he's talking quite a bit about Dallas Willard and the impact that Dallas and his writings and his life had on him. And one of the things he said that Dallas said was, you can't push people into Christianity or even into the spirit-filled life, but you can pull them. It's the magnetic pull of the evidence of Christ in our lives and the very aroma of his presence that draws people. And that's my desire, is that through Memphis Women, women in the city will be drawn to Jesus, and as they're drawn to him, they will become his ambassadors as we go together out in the city. Let's talk about that pull that women or the power that women. I heard Dr. James Dobson talked years ago, the power that a woman has in her home to build it up or tear it down. Now, I'm not negating a man's role as we need to step up as men to the plate by any means. But talk about the women's role as the influencer for the good of their home. Well, the man is the head. The woman is the heart. (laughs) She literally is the heart of the home, which is why, for me, biblical literacy for women has been so important. Women are typically the primary caregivers of their children. And I believe the husband and wife together should disciple and train and teach their children the word of God. But if the wife doesn't have a husband who's taking that role seriously or who may not even be a believer, she can still lead her family and she can still set the tone, the atmosphere of the home to honor Christ. And she can bring peace into that home through his own presence in her life. And so that's why if, if Christ captures our heart, it changes everything because now we don't just look at our circumstances. We're no longer bound by those. Christ lifts us above our circumstances, and regardless of what's going on around us, we know that we know one day our prince is coming. Yes. Revelation tells us he's coming on a white horse. He will sweep us off our feet, and he will carry us to happily ever after. That longing for more is legitimate because that more is found in Christ. What's helped you, Donna, to deepen your love for Christ without without a sermon, without reading a book, just your own personal relationship? 
spending time daily with the Lord, making that time with him a priority and making it a prepared place and a specific time. So I have a place in our home where I keep a basket that has my one year chronological Bible. It has my journal. It has places for me to make notes. I have a prayer notebook where I write down prayer requests. That is my place where I meet with the Lord. And that place becomes a holy place because you have encountered God there. And I encourage people all the time, read through the Bible annually. It is such a simple thing to do. One of the most beneficial things you can do for your spiritual life is to know God as he's revealed himself through his word. And it only takes about 15 minutes a day to read through the Bible in a year. We all have 96 15-minute segments in every day. Can we not give God one ninety-sixth of our day to spend in his life-giving word? Is there one thing where you see God consistently working in your life to conform you more to Christ? You know, I think being a grandparent is conforming me to Christ as I pray over my grandchildren. We pray for our children and we pray diligently for our children. And, you know, a couple of them went through some periods of rebellion in high school where you just feel like your heart's being ripped out because you see the the, the tools of the enemy coming against your children. And so when they came through and now are, are all walking for and living with the Lord and, and teaching their own children, there's something greater than that. But you recognize in a new way how the enemy is going to come after your grandchildren. So as I pray for them, as I recognize my incredible, overwhelming love for them, it overwhelms me that God loves me even more than that. Oh, it's hard yeah. to fathom. So it's a great word there, Donna. I feel the same way. I see this this deep responsibility as I look at those precious little girls, right. you know, yes. and what they're facing in the future. Right. And knowing the prayer foundation is so desperately needed. It is the foundation. That's yes, just that's it, Byron. The, yeah, the yeah. word of God in prayer yes. is the foundation yes. that will take them through. And as I prayed over mine this morning, my, my prayer was that God would open their eyes, that they would see him in the reality of who he is and his glory and his majesty. And their hearts would be so enraptured with him. That the earth would hold no pull. <laughs> okay, final question. What's your favorite restaurant in town? Oh, my goodness. Oh, <laughs> you know, we. how can you possibly say that with all the restaurants that know, Memphis has to offer? It's, it's my husband gets the Memphis Magazine, and so each time I'm, okay, what new restaurants have we not yet tried? Um, goodness, wow, that's really tough. My favorite barbecue restaurant would have to be the Rendezvous, and I think because I have a lot of sentimental attachment to yes. it because I went to the Rendezvous as a teenager. Yeah. Um, that's probably one of my favorites there. We really enjoy McEwen's downtown. Went to Houston's last night. Yeah. It was wonderful. Yeah. Um, the new Stony River, relatively new, out in uh, Saddle Creek is nice. fabulous as yes. well. If you haven't tried their chocolate cake, it is wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have an exercise routine you do? Yes, I do. do We're actually members of the YMCA and go to the Cordova Y, but we also have a little kind of a storage room in our garage that has a treadmill and an elliptical in it as well. So I do the Stairmaster and the treadmill most of the time. And so that's never been an issue for you. Your metabolism and weight, you've, you've well, been able to maintain yeah, that, huh? I have. I have to work at it, though, especially <laughs> as I'm getting older. Things slow down just a little bit. So um, having to get, really be disciplined with that. But I was an athlete growing up. I ran track, played basketball, cheered. So being active has always been a part of my life. My parents, I think I told you, are are still living and in their 80s and incredibly active. In fact, my mother's motto is, if you sit down, you die. (laughs) So she just doesn't sit very often. Well, you know, my mom, it will be 80 on her birthday in September, and she still works four days a week. Isn't that great? Thursday's her beauty shop day. Mm -hmm. Get her hair done on Thursdays. Absolutely. My parents both tutor with the Rise to Read. They take care of some of their older friends who are in assisted living or nursing homes, and they're always serving. My father is one of the greatest soul winners I know. So they challenged me spiritually as well. What a legacy. What a blessing. Donna Gaines, thank you so much for being our guest today here on Mid-South Viewpoint. Welcome you to your new show, Memphis Women, starting next Tuesday, 3 p.m. And every Tuesday at 3 p.m. hereafter, you've got a great lineup and shows you're putting together. So don't forget, friend, it's Memphis Women with host Donna Gaines. 
premiering on this station, AM 640 and FM 100.7, next Tuesday, May 1st, 3 p.m. Who's your first guest? Do you know? Actually, it's going to be Dana Street, our women's ministry director, as we kind of launch what we're doing with uh, Memphis women. But then we also have a special guest, Debbie Titus, who is the author of The Table Experience and Home Experience that we will have in our second segment. And then the third one, we're going to be talking about infertility. And my guest is Roz Martin, who struggled with infertility. And I won't give away her story, but it's pretty incredible. It is incredible. I know Roz personally, (laughs) so I'm excited about that. Donna, God bless you. Thank you for what you and Steve and your family are doing for Christ's kingdom. Thank you. God bless you. Friends, we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. I'm Byron Tyler. Bye-bye now.